Coming up on this edition of Locked On Wizards, we've got Kareem Copeland, sports reporter with the Washington Post, joining the show as we talk about the buzzer beater that sent the Mystics home. Shea Petty, of all people, knocking down the game-winning basket as the Mercury defeated the Mystics in the first round of the playoffs. Or Kareem Copeland's on the show today and tomorrow. Today, we're specifically getting into the Mystics season right here on Locked On Wizards. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Renee Washington here, host of Locked On Wizards. And joining me as we talk all things Washington Mystics, we've got Kareem Copeland, sports reporter, jack of all trades. What's up, Renee? Thanks for having me. Kareem, welcome to the show. How are you? I am happy to have you here because Tuesday night, what a game. I don't know if you could write this any better, any worse, any just the storylines there. As a journalist, I will say, the Mystics' buzzer-beater loss to the Mercury was it literally writes a story for itself. <laughs> Makes our job as journalists. It would have been easier. better. If it <laughs> we don't have to so find late. it. That the was story the only problem. There. As Shea Petty, that was yes, it was a very late game, and it for, unfortunately working with the Mystics, we're on the wrong side of the story. But Shea Petty, former Washington Mystics player, hits the game-winning shot as the Mystics drop the first-round playoff game. 85-84 to the Mercury. I mean, when you see that ball go in the net, Kareem Copeland, we, we've been following Shea Petty on the other side of, the, of our side. And now here she is scoring against us to help lead the Mercury into the next round of the but, playoffs. Holy smokes. What was what – was, take me to that moment. It was crazy because, you know, you know I thought they had done such a good job initially defensively. Um, you know, um, Skyler was kind of – kind of trapped you know the two two players kind of went at her on the other side of the court so she once she had to skip all the way across I was like oh they're not gonna have time to do this it it seemed like they were gonna get a stop I wasn't sure who was in the corner but I knew it wasn't Diggins I knew it wasn't Tarasi so that was a positive right there and so um then you saw then you saw Leilani sprinting out there to challenge the shots um, give Shea Petty all the credit in the world. Not only did she make the shot, she had the poise to pump fake, wait for Lilani to go flying by, and then still raise up and get it off in time. I mean, it was just an incredible sequence, but I don't know um, what more the Mystics could do. I mean, they, you, you get, again, you took away their top two players, the top two shot makers on the team, and then, <laughs> you know, Shea, who just joined the team midseason, buries it from the corner so it was just it was a crazy what was that 5.8 seconds um to go and so I mean it was wild it was it was fun to watch I mean obviously um for Mystics fans you know that that's not how you would have wanted to watch but just as a pure sports fan um it was a really cool cool moment to kind of watch yeah and I remember I tweeted out and I may have been one of many people that jinxed them like 5.8 seconds left like this is it basically like come on like hang in there I mean they on the other end you saw as um they had a chance to take a two-point lead um and Le- or what would have been a yeah and Leilani Mitchell's missed free throw three-point lead excuse me and so 
when when she missed that free throw, I was thinking, all right, there's there's only five seconds left. They had to create that free throw, gotten a very big rebound. We're able to keep the ball alive, keep it on their end of the floor. I'm thinking like, all right, let's just get a stop, just close out. Like like you mentioned, they had a great stop on Skylar Diggin Smith. So I'm thinking, oh, they've they've done the work. This is a great defensive effort. As that ball swung across <laughs> court, I literally was like, no way. <laughs> like, no way. And what made it worse, I'll be honest, is for some reason, the channel I was watching was like a split second behind. So as their, the sequence was unfolding, oh, geez. my phone <laughs> notification like went off and it was like, you know, yeah, like I, it was a spoiler. It was a true spoiler <laughs> because my phone notification goes off and it was like, Shay Petty not drains game winning. I know shot how it goes. I'm like, like my, I'm, I'm, on, I'm watching on Hulu <laughs> and I'm always a couple seconds behind. And so I, I, once we get to these moments, I like, I tell myself consciously, don't look at Twitter because you're going to blow it. You know, somebody, somebody's going to tweet what happened, you know, five seconds before you actually see it. So I'm kind of like focused. And yeah, when it, when it swung across, Again, I thought they would be good. I was like, okay, you got it out of the hands. You know, you're forcing a, a quick shot. You know, someone's closing out. I, and boom, she just buried it. And so um, it, was, it was really cool to hear Shane uh, talk about it afterwards. She yeah. said, you know, um, she said, I still talk to those players on this team. She's like, those are like my sisters. And so um, it, it was a cool moment also to see the Mystics kind of come over and congratulate her after um, at the end um, when it would have been real easy to, you know, be ticked off and just kind of storm away. Um, a lot of good sportsmanship on uh, both sides. But Shane flat out said, "Yo, this is this is a dream come true." She said that was the first buzzer beater game winner that she's ever had. Um, it's it, it's such a crazy moment. Like I, like I said, um, when I wrote it, I said, you know, Shea Petty basically dismissed the Mystics twice this season. You know, like the whole plan was to bring her back. When they um, released her, they were just waiting for her to clear waivers, and she had already talked to Tebow about, yes, I'm, I'm ready to come back. And then um, she cleared and just kind of basically changed her mind. And um, it, it was a curious decision at the time because it didn't seem like she would get a ton of playing time. It, it, it seemed like, you know, it, it didn't seem like a, a bigger opportunity than what she was getting in Washington. And, and shoot, a month and a half later, here we are. insane I, I was you just can't make that up and like you said after the game I thought both te teams did a very good job obviously if you're Phoenix you're you're thrilled you're excited but I thought they celebrated in a great way I thought the Mystics were very you know very poised about it because that's a moment that's like wow you as you mentioned <laughs> off of a pump fake it wasn't even uh just so many things that went into that in that 5.8 seconds that they were able to create a good look and get a, a buzzer beater but I think that was something that regardless what side you're on, it just is a, a testament to the excitement of what the WNBA was able to bring this season as a whole oh, yeah. to have those down to the wire games like that. But looking at the, the way the Mystics played in that game, I mean, I, I thought it really was, although they did not get the result they wanted, a great way to actually finish off the season. You know, coming in, having so many players and so many key pieces that were unable to play and then injuries and having it just scrape and, and – claw their way through to even get into the playoffs, let alone to have such a competitive game against Phoenix that to, that they forced it down in the final seconds. What are your thoughts on their, on them as a whole in the, in that game? I mean, I thought it was an incredible three quarters. I mean, I was, game. I was sitting there I, like I was, you know, this is 
sports journalist complaints, but you know, I'm complaining about the nine o'clock game because it, you know, I've got a quicker deadline. And so I'm writing as the game goes on, <laughs> I'm writing running and you know, it, you try to have kind of two versions just in case, you know, something changes at the end. But most of what I was writing was before Mystics win. I mean, they were, every, time, um, every time Phoenix tried to make a run or, or, or try, you know, hit a big three, uh, the Mystics came back on the other end and answered. And that's what I thought was so incredible. In first half, you shut down Tarasi and Diggins. Um, neither, I mean, they, if it wasn't for the free throw line, um, they would have really been locked up. Uh, and that was the biggest problem in the first half, really, was just too many fouls. Mm-hmm. Maisha got in early foul trouble, and it seemed like every time they were about to get a stop, they ended up fouling late in the um, shot clock. And <laughs> I know Mike Tebow hates that, and he was, he, I think he was on his best behavior last night when he, when he mentioned um, the disparity in the first half, I think what um, I do believe Phoenix shot somewhere around 20 free throws to maybe eight for the Mystics, something around those lines. So that was basically what was keeping them in it. But they come out of halftime, and Tarasi woke up, and she's knocking down threes, and 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 Digga, and and Digga Smith is is found her groove. So all of a sudden, you're like, uh oh, here they come. But again, they just kept answering, and it was just everybody. That that's what was even more impressive. It was. Big shots from Kiera Leslie, 25 points from Leilani Mitchell. I mean, she was burying them from all over the place. So they just kind of kept mm-hmm. answering and answering. I said, okay, well, if, if they can hang in here, even when uh, Diana and, and, and Diggin Smith gets hot, you're going to be able to uh, weather this storm. And then they went on a 17-0 run in that fourth quarter, and all of a sudden everything changed. Uh, they just couldn't get stops during that stretch. Uh, Everything changed offensively. Everybody, you know, I was just talking about a minute ago how it seemed like every time they came down the court, they were able to kind of figure something out. Somebody hit a big bucket or a back door or um, they just kept answering. But during that stretch, there was no answer, too many turnovers, um, bad shots. They just seemed completely out of sorts from what they looked like the first three quarters. And so obviously that got them back, that allowed Phoenix to come back. But still, again, they answered again. You know, big shot by Maisha, mm-hmm. big shot by Leilani. Um, Emma hit the uh, the bucket at what? She, no, she got the steal and the layup with like 38.3 seconds left. Maisha comes down on the other end and takes the charge. Yes, so you, it, it yes. still seems like everything's going to work out. <laughs> and then the final, um, and, then, and then we've talked about that final 5.8 seconds. But I think that's as much as there's disappointment with the way it ended and you kind of felt that they were just had that vibe of they'd been playing single elimination games for a week and it seemed like they had figured everything out and this was about to be a really dangerous team um you've at least got to look ahead and say hey when you take these um the experience that they got from this and the development that they're going to take when you bring back um Elaine Adeladon and, and and um Natasha and Latoya and, and, and Tina Charles like she's supposed to return. Um you add that and you're looking at a pretty good roster for next year. So I know there's immediate disappointment, but whew, you should have a stock a loaded roster next year. That is definitely something that is so encouraging is the way that they did end and the way that they were able to still 
you know, in, in all the adversity they faced and all the setbacks and all the players that were not there, unable to play or getting injured and having low subs and the players that they even brought in and, um, you know, signed throughout the course of the season to really be able to end on a positive. So I do want to get into some specifics around players, as you mentioned, that um, as talking through, especially those final minutes down the stretch, that were a big part of, of the team's success. So coming up, we've got to get into more around the mystics and specifically looking at key players that played a pivotal role in their journey to the playoffs this year. Kareem Copeland, sports reporter with the Washington Post, joining me, your host, Renee Washington, here on Locked on Wizards for our Mystics special, coming off their upsetting loss in the first round of the playoffs in their single elimination game. And we have been talking about that incredibly emotional roller coaster of the final plays of that game, where there were some key players that really stepped up throughout not only the course of the seasons, but specifically, excuse me, in crunch time to help the Mystics get into the playoffs as well as to have a really good opportunity to not only win that game, but end their season on a high note. First, Emma Miesemann. Looking across the the Mystics (laughs) roster, we got to see playoff Emma. We got to see her. I mean, this was, this is the Emma Miesemann that we saw last year to help them win the title and that she had come and go at times throughout the regular season. But the playoff performance she put together in the loss to, to Phoenix was, you know, as you mentioned, was was big. You know, how do you think these, this experience specifically for her, having had a chance to really be now the, the leader, one of the leaders of the team even more consistently in a bigger role without players, as mentioned, like Elena Deladon and Tina Charles and Natasha Cloud. To I now think we talk her, about this in, um, not just in sports, but in a lot of situations where sometimes it's good to be put in an uncomfortable situation. Um, it forces you to learn about yourself, it forces you to do mm-hmm. things that maybe you wouldn't normally do um, when, you're, when you're in your comfort zone. And so that's, I think we saw that throughout the season with her was, um, you know, Emma, Emma's a, a little bit low key and this team, th- this season, they needed her to be forceful. And when she was forceful, they were better. But I don't think that's necessarily um, just kind of natural to her at all the time. You know, uh, uh, Tebow was begging that they shoot. Leilani Mitchell was begging her, hey, you don't even have to shoot it every time. Just catch it and be a threat because there was so much during that, what, when they lost 12 of 13, a lot of, uh, a lot of time during that, she would catch it, the ball, her, her back would be completely to the basket and she's just looking to pass or wasn't getting in that triple threat um, mm-hmm. position where you had to kind of worry about her. But when she's aggressive and like she was aggressive last night and she's hitting those little hooks and she's catching, um, you know, picking and popping and catching it off, uh, you know, setting the screen and, and knocking down that mid range jumper. That's when she's at her best. I think it was good to, to, for her, number one, to be forced to be more aggressive. But I think it was also good for her to see that success mm-hmm. and, and, and get a little bit more confidence in herself. I don't think that there, that was necessarily lacking. 
But, you know, when, when you haven't been asked to be the number one option, and then all of a sudden you're thrown in that role, you know, you're going to learn about yourself. You know, you're going you're gonna to develop uh, a little bit more, even if it's between the ears more than anything else. So I think that was really good. Um, the question is, will she be back? She's, uh, she's going to be a free agent, and she said last night she wasn't sure what's going to happen. Um, so all eyes are kind of on that. But I think mm-hmm. throughout the course, because I think she she faced more criticism than anybody. You know, she was coming off the MVP of that the finals. Everybody yeah. was talking about playoff Emma. It's so easy to kind of just expect someone to be able to, okay, put her in this situation as the number one and, and think that they're just going to be able to thrive and it's not going to be any kind of transition whatsoever. Um, but that's not true. You know, they're, they're humans and they got to figure things out and they've got to get comfortable with themselves. And I think that's, I think that was a big part of her growth this year. And she started out well, you know, she became such a better passer this year. I, I think that was a part of her game that everybody knew was there, but she showed it off so much more this year. Um, so I think that was just the biggest thing, her kind of being able to be a little bit more forceful and learning, hey, you know, sometimes you just got to take over and, and, and she's got the ability to do it. So it's more of a mindset. So I think that was um, that was good for the team. The team needed it. It was good for her to, to kind of get that in her, I do believe. And so, um, you know, that's only gonna that's only gonna serve everybody um, going forward. Um, but again, they got to get her. They got to get her locked up and get her back first of all. Mm. Yes, definitely. First and foremost, get her back. But I think as you were talking about Kareem and and looking at her play throughout the course of the season, there were a lot of ups and downs because she really was growing within the season. You know, she was, she was thrown into the fire in that sense. Last year to this year, it's a whole different season around everything from the preseason period and, and COVID affecting, you know, the way that they were coming into the season to having a shortened season, having a lot of those same pieces, as we've mentioned, we all know the names that were not there this year, you know, so much changed. So yes, it was still Emma Miesemann, and yes, we expected to see playoff Emma, but she's 27 years old. She's still learning a lot about herself as a player and about her role on the team. And you did see, as you were talking about, the biggest thing was the body language change. Her having catching the ball with more confidence, facing up in a triple threat position where you have to defend her honestly versus her catching the ball, not even looking towards the basket. To me, that's just a sign of the youth and, and the mentality growth that we've seen over time. So in the in the final game on Tuesday versus some of the moments we saw throughout the oh, season, absolutely. And even, she, you could even see at the end, the confidence I think there. You know, she didn't shy away hesitated. from moments when, mm-hmm. hey, you know, th- this game didn't got tight all of a sudden. It's you, what they took a, um, I think it was a 28-73 lead after that what 17-0 run, and who was the first person to come back and make a basket? It was Emma, and then she gets that steal and layup. So she didn't. I, th- I feel like. At other times during this season, she may not have um, been so forceful. She may not have been like, okay, give me this ball. I'm going to go get a bucket. Hey, I'm about to go. This team needs me to make this play right now. And so those it's moments like that that I think you see that kind of growth because I think we all saw it and we're, we're a little bit um, um, just perplexed earlier times where earlier in the season when she kind of would just disappear and 
and everybody knows the talent that she has and everybody knows that she's got the green light to basically do whatever she wants. So she's got to, she's just got to make the decision to do it. Exactly. And so it seems like he saw that grow throughout the season. You did, you did. And that's definitely a positive. If nothing else, you have to take away from all this. Well, there's some more positives with the performances we saw from some other players that I definitely want to get into here on Locked on Wizards. So coming up, we continue looking at some other players on the Mystics roster that showed out and bursted out of the bubble. Let me tell you guys about the delicious treat that's going to allow you to snack healthy. That's right. You can do both. If you know me, you know I have a sweet tooth. I enjoy cupcakes, cookies, brownies, all the sweets. And Built Bar actually has delicious flavors. Let me just run down some of my favorites. Cookies and cream, double chocolate, mint brownie, salted caramel. Yes, caramel, not caramel. And peanut butter brownie. Delicious. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And they're healthy. So it's great if you are on a keto diet or working to lose or maintain weight. You can do all that while snacking on a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. And I definitely recommend Built Bar. So if you head over to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your next order. Now you can save money, eat healthy, and eat delicious. Doesn't get any better than that. So go ahead on over to BuiltBar.com and try the best tasting protein bars. And I can guarantee you from me to you, you will not regret it. Renee Washington here, host of Locked on Wizards, as we're talking about the Washington Mystics and their upsetting loss in the first round of the playoffs with a buzzer beater by Shea Petty, former Mystics player. And we have Kareem Copeland, sports reporter for the Washington Post on the show. We talked about playoff Emma. Let's get into two other players specifically, but also others on the team that stood out this season and really made a name for themselves. Looking at some other players for the Mystics. We've talked about Emma Miesemann definitely as, as one, you know, you think about the course of the season and the ups and downs and all the uncertainty and challenges. And like you mentioned, losing 12 out of 13 games where the team could have easily at any point, just kind of given up and, and play and change their body language and change their mentality. But, you know, we saw with every zoom conference that we had with the, with coach Tebow and the players with every practice, with every game, them still bringing that <laughs> high level. And a player that stands out, Maisha Hines-Allen, someone that really embodies what the Mystics are all about and the way that she was able to, you know, step up and really improve as a player and in her role on the team that she's, in my opinion, an absolutely a bright point you have to take away from this because she's a big reason why they were in the playoffs. She's a big reason why, I mean, looking at her individual honors she received throughout the course of the season as, and recognition for that, as well as just the way she stepped on the floor with her size, with her versatility, with her confidence and demeanor to help this team. So looking at a player like her, um, we talked about Leilani Mitchell's 25-point game against the Mercury, but what she was able to do throughout the season, you know, there are a lot of players that, looking across the Mystics roster, in my opinion, really benefited from this opportunity to really be able to make a name for themselves even more. That, you know what, count us out if you want to, because we don't have Elena and Tina and Natasha and 
and we have players, you know, we, we've got injuries and we can make all the excuses and want in the world that we want at the end of the day they did not make those excuses oh. and they showed we still are a team that you have to watch out for so i'm definitely interested to know your thoughts especially on maisha you know just the way these players stepped so up there's a bunch in, of stuff in, in that of pops in my mind when i think on. about uh maisha's season um i'm gonna jump i'm gonna go forward first of all because i'm gonna think about okay. next year and i keep thinking so Assuming the roster looks like we 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 think it will be with with Tina and Elena, um, does she, is she your sixth man? Does she come off the bench? And if she's coming off the bench, going against second line players, good gracious, she's gonna she's gonna feast next year if she's going against reserves. If, if she's coming off the bench because she feasted this year against the top players in the league, what up to seventeen points, uh, eight point nine rebounds, I do believe. I think she only. I, mm-hmm. what, I wrote it yesterday. I gotta go look it back up again. I don't. I think only Asia and Brianna and and Maisha were the only three players in the league. I do believe that averaged seventeen and eight, um, something along those lines. I mean, um, you just saw her add so much to her game, and you know everybody talked about, hey, yeah, we've seen her doing all this work in practice, but still, the way she put it on the floor was still something more than than I think anybody really truly expected and it was funny she told me um a story about she really grew um during the off season when she went to play in South Korea and she said it was it was really awkward for her she didn't really like it you know she was it was hard getting used to the culture um all of a sudden it was basketball only 24 hours seven days a week and that was kind of the first time she'd been in that environment you know, she talked about everything was it, everything was in one complex. I mean, where they were eating, where they were playing, where they were staying, all of that. So it was like all basketball all the time. And That's so familiar. she at first she wasn't comfortable with it, but she said she made the biggest gains of her life on the basketball court because of that. And once she kind of embraced that, she was able just to kind of basically just kind of focus on basketball, basketball, basketball. And her footwork was just incredible this year. Um, so th- I think that was one of the biggest things that kind of stood out to me, where she was able to take people both inside and outside because her footwork was so clean. I mean, as an undersized power forward, and she's able to stretch it out and able to shoot her, you know, the shooting percentage went through the roof, which was crazy in itself. But again, she could put it on, it just depended on who she had against her. And that's it. She could just serve them up and say, okay, I'm going to back you out, take you outside because i got the handles and I'm quick enough to drive by you. Or if I got you down here in the post, you know, she had that shimmy shake fade away. She had a little bit of up and under. She started breaking out a little bit of hook. And so uh, she just had this, this, um, I just, she just broke out this game that really nobody was ready for. And so in the beginning, it wasn't, it, in the beginning, it was funny because she was just catching everybody off guard. But halfway through the season, you know, everybody's got a scout re- scouting report on her at that point. Right. She's not surprising anybody. And she kept going. She kept getting better. And I even think during this final stretch, um, just to make the playoffs, that's probably when she played her best ball, um, period. And so she not only um, did she improve her overall game, but she improved in the most important part of the season, when it was do or die time 
and everybody knew, yep. hey, she was getting the ball and she was trying to score and she was trying to drag this team into the playoffs and and she's and still nobody could stop her. So I think that's um that's that's the biggest thing for me is just you know she improved her game obviously in every single facet. Um so now what happens next year? Um <laughs> when when everybody's not focused on her. It was, you know, we kind of talked about it on the opposite end where it was weird for Emma this year because all of a sudden she wasn't the third option. She was the first option and, and defense was her playing her differently. It's almost going to be in reverse exactly. for Maisha next year when she's got more talented people around her. They're going to have to respect those other players and she's just not going to have, you know, their top defender, um, top post defender every single time. And so that's why I think she's going to have an opportunity. You know, minutes will obviously change but I think she can be really efficient next year um, when she's not asked to do as much as she had to do this year. Yeah, you bring up a lot of good points there. And the first is being that, first of all, that experience um, that you talk about <laughs> sounds very familiar. It sounds a lot like the bubble where you're training, playing, sleeping. Absolutely. Sounds a lot like the wobble and, and the experience that we had, which we honestly have been seeing across a lot of basketball players on the men's and women's side that really have been flourishing because of that, because it forces you to, to focus differently. And then also just the fact that, as you mentioned with Maisha specifically coming in, I do, you know, you think about back when the team first started playing, it was kind of like, as you said, catching people by surprise, the players, her teammates were like, no, we've always seen her do this. We always knew she could do this. You guys just didn't know it. And then it got to a point where it was expected. But then it got to the point where not only was it expected, but she was also delivering. It's one thing to be able to step up when nobody has any expectations for you to impress them because there's, there's no expectation to exceed. But when the bar is raised and you continue to meet it and push that bar even higher to be a name that's, as you mentioned, alongside the top players in the league statistically and performance-wise, and the big reason why they were able to get into the playoffs and that push down the stretch of the season, that is so encouraging. And as you mentioned – has to be exciting as you look forward to next year. We don't know what's going to happen. Of course, between today and tomorrow, a lot could change. But overall, there are options there. There are some key pieces that it's going to really make, you know, for, for Mike Tebow and for, for the Mystics as a whole, going to make them have to think differently about what's the best way to make all this work because we could be looking at, and I'm speaking so, so far in advance, but this is a team that when you, when you add, have the pieces that we have now, if, if nothing changes, if everyone's healthy on paper, is that's a championship. That's what I was going to say. On paper, they look, on paper today, they look really, so, really good. And, yes. and, and, and again, and like you've said about Maisha, shoot, by the end, she was commanding double teams. You know, and, and it was funny. She was talking to, uh, I, I forget, yes. either Ariel or Leilani about it. And, and somebody told her, hey, you've made it. That's when you know. Um, you know, when when that respect level across the league has gotten to a certain point, when they're sending double teams at you in the first quarter, you know, that was not something that was happening early in the season. And so exactly. um, it's, it's not a novelty anymore. You know, the book's out. Everybody knows um, that, yo, you, you're going to have a handful if you just let her um, get the ball on the block and go one-on-one. -on -one. You're going to need to send some help. And that's, and that's what they were doing in those last couple games. Yes, yeah. So we will get into more around the Mystics moving forward for next year and our Locked On Wizards edition tomorrow when you'll be back on for part two. But where can people follow you 
to keep up with all the work you're doing, Kareem. You can follow me on Twitter at Kareem Copeland. I'm always there, um, obviously, in the Washington Post. And um, I think my Instagram is Reem Cope, R-E-E-M-C-O-P-E. But I'm terrible at Instagram, so I'm not sure how much there. <laughs> that's, that's probably just going to be mostly. The fact that you don't know your handle says yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's mostly just sneakers and, 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 and me at random practices. And, and shoot, I think the last thing I posted, I was so happy that it finally got – so I bought the WNBA hoodie, the orange hoodie that everybody wanted. Um, so I, I, it took forever to kind of get there because they sold out so quick. So it finally got here. But then it was August. Then I was like, what am I going to do with this? It's too hot to wear it. And so finally temperatures have been um, dropping down a little bit. I was real happy the other night to be able to rock my hoodie. Um, and so I think that's the last picture I got. My, my IG life is, is, is not very impressive. <laughs> That is hilarious. That is hilarious. I love it. The The orange hoodie is very fresh. I need to get one. I definitely, it's fire. It is pretty fire. I have um, to admit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty legit. It's pretty, <laughs> definitely jealous you have one and I don't, but hey, I'm definitely going to get one. But thank you, Kareem. I'm excited to get to talk more around the Mystics and also get into the Wizards in our Thursday edition. So thank you for joining me. Absolutely. Show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And thank you all for tuning in to another edition of Locked on Wizards here be sure to hit that subscribe button as we're keeping you up to date on the latest news and content around the Wizards, DC sports, all sports, and much more here on the show each and every day, Monday through Friday. Subscribe across all streaming platforms to join me, your host, Renee Washington, and our guests get into what's going on. We will have Cream Copeland back on the show again tomorrow for more discussion as we take a deeper dive into the Mystics looking towards the future, as well as talking around the Washington Wizards and the crazy parallels between the Wizards and the Mystics. And if you've been paying attention, you know exactly what they are. We'll be getting into those and much more here tomorrow on Locked on Wizards. Have a good Wednesday, everyone, and I'll see you back here tomorrow. Washington out. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.